Well, good evening. It is good to be back with you uh, today, and uh, we praise the Lord for this morning. Uh, having Paul here was uh, an extra blessing, uh, unprepared uh, until yesterday, and uh, we are very thankful for him being able to fill in for us and uh, have his uh, availability uh, of the Lord. We praise the Lord for that, and we're glad that he was able to do that. Uh, we also are very thankful to be back uh, from the week of camping, and uh, last week Randy asked you to pray uh, for no rain. Well, I'm happy to report to you the next series we're going to do is on prayer, because <laughs> it rained twice. <laughs> no, we are, are very thankful, though, for uh, the time to be there. It was a great opportunity for us as a church uh, and those who are camping, great opportunity to be with them together. And so take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Ruth chapter 2. We are in the book of Ruth together, and we are looking at a very critical signpost. That was a great segue in for us as we think of signposts, and we think of how the Lord is at work. And as we're getting there, I did want to remind you, if you did not pick up the communion supplies, you can make your way back there and do that. Uh, now, so that you have those. We'll take communion together at the end of the service this evening, and we will depart under that uh, solemn awareness of what God has done for us in uh, giving to us the free gift of Christ. And so that is how we will end this evening. wanted to let you know that in case you didn't get the uh, communion supplies. But as we're thinking of Ruth chapter 2, this is one of those signpost moments in the life of Ruth and Boaz. And uh, take your place. If, if you are not yet married, there's some serious lessons here for you in the uh, understanding of a proper biblical romantic relationship. If you recall, if you can think back to those who are married, think back to the time when you first met your spouse and that first meeting. That's where Samuel left us last week right on the edge of the first meeting. In fact, he set us up a little bit because he's allowed us in chapter 2 to begin to know some information that we needed for the narrative to progress, but we also have more information than Ruth has. And so he starts this way. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. For our understanding, we recognize that Ruth doesn't know that. Ruth doesn't know of Elimelech. Well, she knows of Elimelech, but not his family member named Boaz. And so we know more than Ruth knows at this point in the narrative. And so Samuel has given us that little nugget, and then he's built upon that as Naomi and Ruth have a discussion and in that discussion, Ruth says, I'm going to follow the Levitical law, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to glean of the fields so that we have something to eat. And Naomi sends her out. Where Samuel leaves us last week is a signpost moment. Ruth is gleaning. She has gleaned all day long. And Boaz has come to the field, and he has noticed her. And in noticing her, he's made one quick inquiry, inquiry about her. And then we left off. That's where Samuel left us last week. We're going to pick back up at that critical moment 
this evening, this signpost where now the two are about to meet, and Boaz is prepared, as maybe you, when you were a young man, were prepared for that first encounter with that girl that you had desired to have the encounter with, the opportunity to get to know her, that first conversation, and you probably blew it. If you were like me, you probably blew it, but Boaz doesn't. And we're going to see how Boaz has planned out, engaged for this moment that is so critical of a signpost for us. And so we're going to begin in verses 5 through 7. I'm going to read those verses, and then we're going to ask the Lord's blessing on our time in his word. Scripture says this in Ruth chapter 2, verse 5. Then Boaz said to his young men who was in charge of the reapers, whose, woman, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Let us ask the Lord's blessing on our time in His Word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time we can spend this evening in a few moments gathered around the Lord's table. Lord, we praise you as well then that that correlates with our study in an Old Testament example of a Redeemer. We thank you for the love, the care, the concern of Boaz demonstrated in this text before us. And how far greater the love, the care, the concern of Jesus for us. We praise you for the time we can spend in your word tonight as we see this critical moment where the lives of these two people are about to cross and how you will then begin to prepare for another rung in the genealogy of Christ. Lord, we praise you for the text that is before us, the lessons we can learn, and I pray that we would apply them diligently this evening. Give me the words to speak, that you would give me recollection of what has been studied, and a great desire then to proclaim it with accuracy, I pray that would be rewarded, that your name would be glorified in all that is said and done here this evening. So Lord, we give you the glory and the honor for it, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. As we begin, we start with this idea that Boaz and Ruth's commitment to the Lord provides a beautiful picture of romance for the follower of God. And it goes deeper than that, but that is the the main lesson to be taught in these first pieces of relationship coming together. And it's so easy to be lost and enamored in things that are unbiblical and are not necessary. And so Boaz and Ruth, if you're a young person or you're a person who's not married, Boaz and Ruth provide a prime example of how a godly couple is to come together. And if you are married, then there's a prime example of how a godly couple is to interact with one another. And so there's something for all of us to learn this evening as we begin to see this relationship beginning to form in this budding romantic relationship between Boaz and Ruth as Boaz and Ruth meet for the very first time. And so we come here, and Boaz, in verses 5 through 7, he looks across. Remember where he was last week in verse 4. In verse 4, he has come into the field, and instead of saying shalom, he says this, and Boaz 
uh, comes, uh, excuse me, in verse 4, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. Remember, Boaz has taken an extra step. He's asking the Lord to bless in the work of the reapers, in the life of the reapers, so he's gone beyond the peace be with you, shalom. He's gone beyond that. And in an age where there was a turning away from the things of the Lord, Boaz brings his laborers back to the things of the Lord. We instantly see a character trait that we studied last week out of him of godliness developing in very early stages. Verse 5. This is where uh, you might, you know, if this were a movie, and I love, by the way, I love the way that Samuel's writing for us because you almost can see it. You can see Boaz coming in and the workers are all assembled there and it's towards the end of the day and it's been a long, hot day probably. And so Boaz has greeted his workers as they're bringing in the last of the cuttings for the day. And you see Boaz dressed in more regal clothing. He's the landowner. He's far more wealthy than the laborers who've been there. But he brings himself down to them. And you see a leader and a follower of God who's faithful to the things of the Lord. And he comes in and he's walking down the row. And suddenly he looks up. And there's Ruth. And so if this was the, a movie set, and we recognize that, again, this is a real-life event. These are real-life narratives unfolding for us before our very eyes. But this is where all the women in the audience would go, ah, Because right here, Boaz looks up, and he stops dead in his tracks. Notice what he says. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Who's that? Who's that woman? That's what he's asking. He's saying, Who does she belong to? So, if we were to put this in language that would be more equivalent to English, it'd be, Wow, who's she? <laughs> I want to meet her. Boaz has arrived to the same field at the exact same time that Ruth has been gleaning, and he's greeting his workers, and he goes, I need to meet her. I need to meet her. And so he asks one of his workers who, who she is. And notice how the worker describes her. He says this, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab, she said, that is, Ruth said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Did you notice how the head of the reapers admires her capacity for work? She's worked all day. She was respectful. She's, he identifies her as a Moabite. So she's a Moabite, and frankly, I didn't expect this out of any Moabite. You can almost read that in between the lines. Here she is working. She showed respect. She asked before she gleaned. She's been working all day, and except for a very short rest, she has continued to labor to this point. This is a description of a young woman who is diligent, who is humble, who is gracious. And Boaz has picked her out of the crowd, but his head of his reapers 
the ones who are harvesting, has been watching all day. He says, you won't believe. This woman has worked hard, she's worked diligently, and she's been faithful. And as Boaz sees Ruth, he begins to prepare for a meeting. He's preparing to get to know her even more. And that is the question that he's asked in verses 6 and 7. In these two verses, Boaz is formulating what will be the first conversation that he has with her. Some translations say that Ruth had gleaned all day and had come into a house to rest a little while. And your translation may say that, that she's come into the house to rest a little while. That may be found there uh, as we come into the end of verse 7, except for a short rest. And if in the ESV, you'll notice there's a little number there at the end of that sentence. And if you have another translation, it may add something else in there. And what that's saying is that this is a difficult phrase to translate. We don't know if Ruth was in a house or if she was in a tent or she was out in the open field. It would appear that she has come in to the shade of a tent at the end of the day and has uh, utilized that shade to begin to finish out the gleaning that she has started. So she's still resting, she's resting, but she's still finishing out the, the hard work of threshing now what she has gleaned. So we recognize that despite some of your translations saying she may be in a house or in a tent or out in the open field, we recognize that the point is she's only rested a brief period of time. Nonetheless, imagine as she has come in close now and Boaz his heart begins to pound because he's trying to figure out a way to have a conversation with her. How am I going to start this conversation? But we also recognize that he's gleaned, full pun intended, has gleaned some information about her already. One, he knows that he's related to her through Elimelech, that he could be the redeemer, that he could be the kinsman redeemer. He knows probably because of the gossip channels in Bethlehem were probably very strong. He knows all about what's happened to her husband. He knows all about what happened when Naomi and Elimelech left and went to Moab. There was probably great discussion in Bethlehem and being a relatively small community. And so when, they, when Naomi comes back with Ruth, there would certainly be the whole town abuzz about these two widows who have returned. Nonetheless, as Boaz is experiencing this moment, it is kind of the same for all young men in their first encounter with the young woman they're trying to have a conversation with. But he has a plan. And his plan will cause her to be the most successful gleaner in the history of gleaning. When he's done with a plan, she's going to go home with more grain than could ever be imagined from gleaning. And we began to see the redeemer elements coming out of Boaz. And so we follow through as Boaz protects Ruth. Notice the plan that is set in motion in verse 8. The plan that is set in motion. And Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. 
Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And so there's a plan. Boaz has formulated this plan as in these few moments where Ruth has come in near the tents where Boaz is greeting his workers, he's asked about her, and this is all happening very, very quickly. And Boaz uses this opportunity to go speak to Ruth. And in doing so, he has the plan set in motion. And notice what he provides in this plan. He says, Ruth, I don't want you to go into any other fields. I want you to glean here in my fields. Follow after the gleaners and go where they go and stick with the young women together and make sure that all of the gleaning is effective Stay close up to the reapers. And then, don't don't chance going to town to get water. Drink from the vessels that the young men have brought. In those days, there wasn't water available at the field, of course, and so they would go to a nearby well, which would have been in Bethlehem. And they would have to draw water. And so all day long, you had workers hauling water to the field for the laborers who were in the field so that they had something to drink. But the gleaners were not permitted to go to that water. They had to go to town to get water and carry their water back. And when that water would run dry, they would have to go back to town. Well, Boaz doesn't want Ruth going to any other field. And so he says, you stay here. In my fields, the young men are hauling water, they'll haul water for you too. So you'll have water to drink, and you'll have a field to glean. And I I want you to also be safe. And notice that as this, I said this is very, very quick. Notice that he's already had a conversation with his reapers. Did you catch that? Notice it again. Verse 9, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Boaz has had a conversation on his way to go talk to Ruth. And the conversation he had with the reapers, the young men who are there, is don't touch Ruth. Don't harass her. Don't molest her. She is now under my guardianship. That was a significant protection. Because remember how he was introduced to Ruth. The very first words he heard were, she's a Moabite. She's from the other side of the Jordan River. She's one who was outside of the assembly of the Lord. So she is a Moabite. And Boaz still protects her. The word that is used here, there's several ideas of what he was protecting her from. It could have been, as she would come up near to the reapers, which Boaz has instructed her to do now, that the reapers would get rough with her because she was right there as they were taking, remember, the grain in one hand, the sickle in the other, and slicing through the stalks 
of the grain. As they would slice through that, she would be right there, and they may just be shoving her and pushing her out of the way. Why are you so close? Because on the pullback of the sickle, there would often be some stalks cut with it that would fall back behind. And she would be there to glean those right up before they would pick those up. So it's likely that Boaz was warning his reapers, be gentle with her. But the word that is actually used here in Hebrew means not to molest her, not to sexually molest her. Because here she is a foreign woman in the land of Israel, and she is obviously poor, and she obviously is having to glean for her provision, and so don't abuse her in any way, is what Boaz is saying. Because in Israel, who cares about a Moabite, even if she were to make an accusation, who would listen to her? Boaz goes above and beyond and sticks his own neck out for a Moabite. And he says, do not molest in any way Ruth. We continue on because Ruth picks up on it. Notice what she says in verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? That, I, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Think of the introduction that Boaz has had of Ruth. Think of the character of Ruth in this action. She didn't stand up in pride and arrogance and say, I don't need your help. I'm doing just fine. I've got enough here for Naomi and myself, and I'll go to whatever field I so choose to go to. She also recognizes that Boaz has taken a step of guardianship over her. Why do you care for me, a foreigner? Why do you care for me, a foreigner? This is an interesting phrase because she is understanding that she is at a very vulnerable place. She's a young woman in a foreign land who's poverty-stricken. She falls on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? Ruth knows what Boaz is doing. And she is responding to it in humility. And she's responding to it recognizing her position in the culture. And so Boaz sees past the title of Moabite and sees the character that's developed in verse 10. The character that we see developed out of Ruth. And notice how he responds. Remember, at verse 10, Ruth does not know who Boaz is. She does not know, she does not understand that Boaz could be a kinsman redeemer. You and I know that because Samuel has given to us that little nugget, but Ruth does not. Now notice verse 11 as Boaz looks to the Lord. Boaz looks to the Lord in 11 and 12. I'm going to start in 11. 
Scripture says, But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. This is really what Boaz sees at this moment. And in verse 12, he's going to look to the Lord. So what he sees in verse 11 suddenly gives a whole broad picture. He knows exactly what he was doing. When he was walking down the row and suddenly he goes, wow, who is that? There was two kinds of attraction. The attraction instantly was a physical attraction. But when the head, the leader of the reaper says who she is, there's a spiritual attraction. How do we know that? Because he already knows who she is. And what does he draw out about her? Notice it again in verse 11. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. There was not time for that conversation. We know there was another conversation with the reapers to leave Ruth alone, but sometime before this event, Boaz hears of Ruth and Naomi. He does not recognize Ruth, so he's not seen her yet. But when he does see her, all of the gossip, all of the stories about Ruth comes flooding back, and he knows the character of Ruth from those. He knows who Ruth is, and suddenly the attraction that was, wow, look at her, is, whoa, look at her. There's a change here in what Boaz sees. He knows what she has done. Boaz is perhaps the most eligible bachelor in all of Bethlehem. And probably all of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. And probably all of Judah as well. And he has land and possessions. We know that he was a man of valor. We know of his character that we studied last week. And we know that there was certainly a lot of young women who would have been after Boaz. But none of them had caused him to go, wow. Look at her. But Ruth does. And it is interesting, as we're going to see in a moment, what Boaz sees in her. Notice, I'm going to come back to that idea. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to have some summary statements here in a moment. We're going to wrap that up. But notice how Boaz looks to the Lord. And young women who are not married, pay attention to what Boaz is about to do. Verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz does not take advantage of Ruth's vulnerable status. Instead, he exalts the Lord and exalts what the Lord is doing in Ruth. He says, may the Lord grant you what it's cost you and more, since you are here to take shelter under His wing. 
This is a significant statement. And young women who are looking for husbands, pay attention. This is what you want in a husband. A husband who loves the Lord and looks to the Lord early on. This is their first encounter. This is as if you have gone out on a date with a guy and, and he's sitting across from the table and he says, do you mind if we pray? That's what it takes. Right here, Ruth has been on her knees in a vulnerable position, a foreigner in a strange land, gleaning from Boaz's field, and instead of taking advantage of that as he could have, Boaz says, praise the Lord for you, Ruth, and praise the Lord that you have found shelter in the wings of the Almighty. Boaz does not say, well, look at all the ground that I have. Sure, you can glean for a while. And then I'll just bring you in. Boaz celebrates what God is doing in Ruth's life. Can you imagine the change that that was for Ruth? Remember how she came back to, or how she came to Bethlehem? Not back, Naomi came back. Remember how Ruth arrived in Bethlehem with Naomi? Naomi comes back in and, and all of Naomi's old friends come up to her and say, Naomi, Naomi, is that you? And she says, no, don't call me gracious one. Call me bitter. Call me Myra. I'm the bitter one. Can you imagine Ruth tagging along and hearing that? And now Ruth has been working all day. She's hot. She's sweaty. She's covered and probably itching in the grain field. And Boaz looks at her and says, Praise God, you've taken refuge under his wing. Men, be this kind of man. Women, encourage your man to be this kind of man who looks to the Lord. Who doesn't say, look at all that I've brought in. And says, praise God that we can take refuge under his wing. That's what Boaz does as he looks to the Lord. Now let's sum it up. We've got to sum up some of what we have learned here this evening. The first encounter summary. We're going to stop here because there's a lot more we can get into. But I want to stop here and draw two specific summary statements the first is a romantic relationship must be rooted in the lord a romantic relationship must be rooted in the lord and i'm going to be somewhat candid especially with you younger people who are here this evening when you are pursuing a romantic relationship it must be rooted in the lord I have counseled many of a young couple who have heeded this advice and watched Ruth and Boaz and followed their example, and I've counseled many a couple who have not, who have divergent paths, and they will suppress it instead of what we see in Ruth and Boaz, they will say, well, it doesn't matter that he's not really into praying to God. It's not really that important that he's into a proper relationship with the Lord. And girls especially will give in to that. And that is a terrible place to be. 
It is a costly place to be. But Boaz doesn't settle for anything less than that either. And so young men, you too pay close attention to the spiritual walk of the girl that you're interested in. And if the one that you're interested in following does not follow the Lord, you go the other direction. You run. The second principle I'm going to get to in a minute, I'm not going to flash it up there yet, but the second principle I'm going to get to in a minute is going to address that issue. But this first issue is a romantic relationship must be rooted in the Lord. We see that evidenced in Ruth and Boaz. And in fact, we get to celebrate some of that great truth as God has loved us in Christ as we partake in the Lord's table together in a few moments. And so this romantic relationship involves the the attractions, but it involves far more. A romantic relationship must be rooted in the Lord. Second, an attraction must be spiritual as well as physical. An attraction must be spiritual as well as physical. We've had now this first encounter, Ruth and Boaz, and and Boaz is engaged in conversation. He has a plan, and the plan is all laid out. and, And he has done so well that he's planned for every contingency. Ruth doesn't even have to leave the field. Don't leave the field. Glean with my reaper. Right behind the reaper, you glean. And if you need water, go drink the water that's there for the laborers. Don't leave the field. And I'm sure that there was also, if you need to eat lunch, we'll have lunch for you too. Don't leave the field. Every contingency has been planned for. But did you notice not one time was Ruth described? Not one time was her form, her beauty, color of her hair, the color of her eyes. Not one time was she described physically. Not one time. But her spiritual condition, her following after the God of Abraham, was thoroughly expressed and understood by Boaz. So when Boaz recognizes her as the Moabite Ruth, he already knows her spiritual condition because that's what attracted Boaz to her before he ever met her face to face. Beloved, an attraction must be spiritual as well as physical. For Boaz, it was. For Boaz, it was. What a great lesson for you and I. Wherever we're at, how more we should be growing spiritually And especially if you're a young person and you're considering, contemplating, having those relationships with somebody who may lead to marriage, may you pay close attention. An attraction must be spiritual as well as physical. And when it is, your love story will be like Ruth and Boaz rather than what we see so often in our world today. Boaz doesn't say, Wow, look at her long brown hair. Look at her form. He was certainly attracted to her because remember the first statement? Wow, who's she? But then when he was told who she was, he goes, wow, who's she? We see an attraction that is different 
that Boaz has for Ruth. And as we already know, Boaz is attracted to her spiritually because they're on the same plane as they follow the Lord. And we see Boaz following the Lord already. This great explanation. He could have puffed out his chest just as every other landowner probably would have on that day, in that time. As we know, because Judges ends with the words that remind us that everyone did what was right in their own eyes in the period of the Judges. Everyone did that, but but Boaz. Boaz was different. Boaz was the one that stood out. It is interesting to me, and I want us to go over to the book of Proverbs, a passage we know well. Proverbs chapter 3. In all of the angst, in all of the struggle, in all of the challenges of trying to navigate what the Lord wants us to do, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And for those who have graduated, you'll notice the... Lisa and I give a Bible to those who have graduated and just a small Bible that just goes uh, with them wherever, pocket size, a little bit bigger than the pocket size. And uh, typically at the beginning of that Bible, I will write Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 because we don't know. But Boaz and Ruth were living examples of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 lived out. Again, the text there says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Or He will straighten your paths, depending on the translation. So we see Ruth with the woman called Bitter. (laughs) And she goes to the field having no idea that she's about to meet the man who was going to become her husband. We have Boaz going to check his crops and see how the harvest was going. A man who instantly we know is a godly man from the way that he related to his workers. It was instant. You knew he was different from every other landowner in all of Israel. You knew he was different. And when he sees Ruth, he's attracted to her spiritually, as much or more than he was physically. And how do we know that? Because Samuel details for us her spiritual condition. That's what stood out in the testimony of the pages of Scripture. Beloved, let us follow the example of Ruth and Boaz. Let us be those who let the Lord make our paths and especially when it comes to relationships, and especially the most intimate of relationships, and the most romantic of relationships. Let us let the Lord be the one who directs our paths and makes them straight. We're going to close this time in a word of prayer, and as we do so, we're going to transition uh, to a period of time where we are going to quiet our hearts and reflect on the great love that Christ has loved us with that would cause him to die in our place on the cross. And so we're going to do that now as we close our time in the Word of God and a word of prayer. Let's pray.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the privilege of looking in to a romantic relationship. We've had the, the opportunity to just peer into this narrative, this narrative that has revealed to us a love that is just now budding. It's just now beginning to develop, but it is not a love that is based upon looks. It's not a lustful kind of attraction. It is a love that goes to the most intimate of levels in the spiritual connection that is between Ruth and Boaz. Lord, it is just now starting, and there's going to be many days of study ahead for us as we begin to see Boaz as the kinsman redeemer. As he begins to illustrate for us an Old Testament example of what it would be that Christ would do for us on the cross. But Lord, as we reflect upon that great truth, that great illustration, we are mindful as well of your work in the life of Ruth. We praise you that she was a woman of godliness in an age when even the Israelites had rebelled. We praise you that she stands out from the crowds just like Boaz. We thank you for the lessons we can glean, the summaries that we can apply, and I pray that your name would be glorified as we follow after these things, that your name would be glorified in all that we do and say as well. So Lord, we now ask your blessing upon our time as we celebrate the Lord's table together. May we have hearts that are purified wholly before you, that your name would be glorified in them as well. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all of these things, and it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen.